five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. We have liftoff, and we've lifted off with a good friend of mine today, Pillars of Our Community, Episode 9. That's IV, because we, we, because we like to go Roman numeral with it. Uh, he, he goes by the name Jesse Miller. Welcome, Jesse. Welcome, Billy. It's, <laughs> it's good, good to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you. Your nice little office here. Oh, thank some you. Some good scenery, some books. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the books have always been there. But then when Debbie... My best lady, fiance. I call her fancy because she is fancy, and that kind of sounds so much of fiance. Um, started to color code the books. What do you think? I like it. Actually, I noticed it now that I'm looking at it. I didn't notice the color code originally, but now I, I get it. Yeah. Let me ask you a quick question. Yes, so, sir. when you get to episode, I don't know, 100 or 200, you're going to know the Roman numerals for that? Yeah, 200 is going to be like a number two, and then two is No. <laughs> As far as I can I can recall, I think it's going to be a C for a hundo for like century. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, do you know the answer or are you just like No, I don't know. You're quizzing me. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I'm pretty good with Roman numerals. Yeah. IVX. Hmm, tapping my fingers on my desk. Now IVX, then 50s L. F- Super Bowl 55, I think we had th- this year, right? Something like that, yeah. And then 100 is C, 500 is D. Okay. 1000 is M. So you're just going to have to keep on doing a lot of podcasts, bro. We're going to be podcasting. Yeah. Can't stop, won't stop. Train has left the station. It's been a fun venture. Um, I like people like you. I like hearing what you got to say. And when you say something, I listen. And then that spurs something. And then whatever it spurs, I say it. It's a magical sort of process, I think. No, the conversa- cool. I like conversation talking to you is. Too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like talking to you too. It's um, fun. Yeah, curiosity, curiosity is kind of important, you know? Yeah. Unless you're a cat, I guess. The studio here is great, though. you got thank a great you. setup. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As I was saying earlier, it's uh, Debbie helped to polish up this room and get rid of some of the clutter and uh, just make it uh, comfortable. And I was listening to Joe Rogan um, probably about a month ago. Mm-hmm. I was, he's just like I told. I was talking to you right before this thing. He was just having a conversation with Kevin Hart or Elon Musk, whoever it was. And I was like, "This that sounds fun." And I was like, I wonder if I could do something like that. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. You know, Rogan's one of the best. I mean, he has the most popular podcasts out there. Yeah. He's been doing it for a long time. He's a talented dude. He does a lot of things. He's got the podcast. He's a comedian. He's like a fight announcer. He's got three distinct jobs and. He's yeah, pretty cool. You got see star. You got. I think he got started at Fear Factor. Is that before comedy? Yeah, I think he was doing comedy all along. He was a fighter like back when he was like in his twenties himself, and then he was always doing comedy. And then he got involved in that, you know. And then mm-hmm. he had one of the first podcasts. He has a massive audience, mm-hmm. massive audience. I think it was like ten or eleven years ago. Yeah, he's like one of the first, something like that. So I got to be like twenty ten is when podcast became a thing huh he just got a huge check from spotify he was rich anyway but he just got even more rich not bad so we got a little work to do on our hands don't we jesse sure why not (laughs) go to work um so tell me about your day today you enjoyed the weather you said you boxed 
Uh, today was a good day. I got uh, I didn't do anything crazy last night. Today's Sunday, so I had a tennis match with my buddy this morning. Outdoor. He's, uh, we played indoor at my cool. club cool. at Bellhaven, and cool. I played with my buddy Pat. He's a he's a competitor, man. He's good. Like uh, I've I've been playing him for years. I haven't beat him yet. I always say that I'll beat him at some point. Today was like it was close for a little while, but then his serve was on, and he was like hitting the corners both sides. He's like confusing me. Pitting lines. So then. Um, after that, I actually, uh, went over to his house to say hi to his wife. Cause his wife just had like a, a surgery. So I haven't seen her and they're like really good family friends. They live like right near the club. And then I went back to the club, worked on my short game for like 45 minutes. There you go. Chip and putt. Yeah. Well, I just chipped and hit some wedge shots. Mm-hmm. I'm changing my philosophy for golf. Well, I've actually changed it. Over the last, I don't know, year and a half, you know, you know, I know you and I have golfed together, but, you know, I have a coach and stuff, but I was reading, um, I was reading this book about how amateurs should like focus on the short game pretty much 70% of the time. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I'm going to do. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've been doing. So like today when I went there, I just, you know, hit, I was in, I wasn't even at the full range. I was just at the chipping area. Mm-hmm. I was like working on that. Mm-hmm. Chipping away at it. Yeah. You, uh, it's a very practical approach. Yeah. I feel like it's, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I read, um, I read that book from the, you know, the teacher down at UVA. I forget what's his name. He's golf teacher. Yeah. Oh, you wrote the book. The golf is not the game of perfect. And golf is it again, please. Golf is not the game of perfect. Not the game of perfect. Yeah. Uh, Rotella. Rotella wrote it. He's written like several golf books. He's like a sports psychologist. And he talked about how I've read that book a couple of times and I read it most recently at the beginning of last year. And it was talking about how, you know, amateurs should focus on their short game and putting primarily. And that's what I'm going to do just to make it easier. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Because then you have more confidence if you miss the green and stuff. You don't have to like, put all the pressure on of yourself. On the, on the iron side of the approach shot or the, or the drive. Yeah. People say that you uh, drive for show and you putt for dough. Yes. Yes. Makes uh, It makes sense to work on that short game. I mean, you think about the flat stick, the putter. Um, the way the golf is pretty much designed, it, you basically half your strokes are with the putter. Yeah. Right, but let's say they're all par fours. Yeah, it's about yeah, that's right. It's about half. If they're all par fours, that that's easy breakdown, right? Drive, approach, two putts. Yep. Then you got a par three. You got one with an iron or whatever, and then two putt. Par five. Iron, iron, iron. Two. You know. Breaks, yeah, par break, par is always considered. You're gonna have two putts. Fifty percent of yeah. your strokes. The way golf's designed is it should be with the with the putter. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, you know. But you get the oohs and ahs. Like I was watching Bryson DeChambeau, and he's like the hottest golfer going these days on the tour. Mm-hmm. And he just he crushes the thing a country mile, you know. There's some it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, you know. But uh, he's also he's also very the whole he's a very he's a very complete player, as far as this amateur could tell who's played one round of golf in like nine months. But you played two days ago, right? Twelve this holes, is, baby. This is, this is this is true. They, they have twelve hole courses in Canada. Do you know that? It makes sense. They started. They started making them a few years back. I heard. That's when I considered moving. Hopefully, you, me, and Eric get out there soon. Amen. So you're. Uh, so you're. You've always been a sort of a measured, practical kind of guy. Would you? Would you say? Yeah, I agree with that. 
How come? Where do you think that came from? You, you, growing up, you're like... I was kind of a math science guy growing up. I studied engineering in college. When you say mad science, what do you mean? A math science. Oh, math science, yeah. Yeah, so I was more focused on that early on, and then it seems to me like a lot of those types kind of like, you know, organizing equations are organized. There's a structure to it. So maybe that, and especially studying engineering in college. Cause like a lot of times when I'm out of college, people are like, yeah, I could tell you're an engineer just based on the way that you operate. And then at first I didn't really necessarily think that, but then after I like kind of looked at myself from above, I, it does make sense. Yeah. You, uh, when you used to play to, uh, lacrosse together on the Capital Lacrosse Club, that was fun. It was before we first met, Bill. You were my first friend in DC. Uh, and uh, I remember we went to the uh, Harp and Fiddle, like one of the first times I ever went out in DC. And you showed me like the Bethesda area. That was fun. That was like twelve years. No, that was fourteen years ago. Unreal. And that's right. Yeah, that was a, that was a while I ago. I remember you were on the lacrosse field, and like you had the baby blue helmet and like the the, the jumbo elephants on it. Yeah, we're doing freaking like one on ones or something like that with like with Tristan. It's like, let's have a practice. And you start doing like one on like, what, what is this anyway? And that then, team was fun. That was, that was a really good team. And that was a fun, I played on that team for seven, eight years. Same year. Yeah. I think I might've played one more year than you. Maybe I started playing again. I took a couple years off cause then I started getting really into golf and tennis and, you know, I was still bartending and stuff and didn't have all the time in the world. But then, you know, I was still coaching all around. So I was still around the game, but then I actually, really started missing the game. So then I started playing masters again after, you know, I got to be 35. Yeah. Which was really fun. Cause like I was talking to coach Starzer about it at Billy Gladden's wedding and you know, him and I kind of started to become friends and you really lose it. If you don't play, you know, you can throw and catch, like in practice and stuff and which I'm around the game, like, you know, regularly, but if you don't play, like you suck, mm-hmm. like you pretty much, you get to be really bad, like really quickly. Like mm-hmm. it took me, it took me like half a club season, maybe even because I was still in good shape at 35, you know, but picking up the ball and making plays is if you don't do it regularly, it's it's, it's not, not good. It's not, but if you keep if you keep on doing it, then you're fine. You know, you just got to keep on doing it. Obviously, now with the pandemic, I haven't played, in, you know, a while, but neither has anybody. So mm-hmm. once it starts back up, I'll find a team and get back involved in it for sure, because it's just fun too. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the so it's not just staying in treadmill or running shape or lifting shape you're saying because that you you've always you've always had the consistency of working out you've always been in shape yeah but you lose your lacrosse iq it's uh it's the ability to make the plays with your stick in in traffic Mm -hmm. and like in transition and then even because like a lot of, you know, those over 35, you know, you can't judge a player based on his build because of some of those attackmen, like they're just been playing forever. They play like some of those guys play like two, three times a week. So they can just protect it and their stick and like, it's hard to get the ball. Out. They're big, you know, so it just, you got to get used to playing. And then like even just picking up, you know, live ground balls at full speed, which is, you know, takes a while. Like if you're, whether you're coming off the wing and a face off or picking up a ball in the scrum, trying to advance it and transition stuff like that. Just, takes a little while to get it back and mm-hmm. like but once you get it back i mean it's there but and mm-hmm. if you're in good shape then it, it's a plus but if you don't play for a while and then you jump back out there after like five years i mean i, I took less than five years off but i mean it's gonna be a disaster <laughs> it's gonna be an utter disaster i mean i haven't played in a long long time 
Um, it would probably take you, you know, you're a very good athlete. It would probably take you, I don't know, I just several play, games to get back. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play as, I would be more like de- de- design and conscious not to be as, like, active. Like I'm staying, I'm st- I'm playing the like the crease defense, you know. Well, the games, no matter what, the game over thirty five is a lot slower than the game that we were playing when we were in our twenties. But it's still fun. You'd actually probably really like it. I highly encourage you should. You know, maybe we'll join the same team. To be quite honest, if we uh, if I do it, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, the uh, it's just it's so fun to be around those types of guys too that always play because they're like they're just cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Those guys are cool. That's like getting back to how we started this conversation. That was like. Some of my fondest memories post college were the our Sunday games. Yeah, I agree. Our Sunday games and I agree. At the town hall. Yeah, that was that was great. That was like one of my both those bars because it moved. I mean, but for the first several years, it was at the smaller venue, and then it went to the bigger one. I mean, some of those were the best Sunday, like the best days I've ever had. Oh my gosh, talk yeah. about Sunday fun! Because I would, I would, uh. I would usually work Friday and Saturday night so that that Sunday afternoon after we played was kind of like my time to relax and chill and hang out. and You know, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that was about D.C. that I realized, like, when I moved here a while ago is the weather is so much better than Boston, where I was from. Just mm-hmm. it's so much – the winters are so much milder. Springs are – spring sooner. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, like, good weather out. We were playing lacrosse, and we'd go hang out, and then Tristan would – cover with our dues which was unbelievable at the time i was like i yeah. can't believe i don't even have to pay like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is amazing yeah. yeah days for sure and then and then you said something about like how the dues right whatever the dues are half I, the guys paid the the, the the quote dues and half the guys didn't yeah a lot of guys don't, a lot of guys don't they didn't do and then tristan the, ham, the cheeseburgers on tris yep i gotta i gotta get in touch with uh tristan zaya I wonder how he's doing. I haven't heard much from him in, the, in the pandemic. I think he was pretty alarmed by the whole thing. A lot of people were. A lot of people, yeah, sure. Um, so, talk to me about your. You have you've had a, a slogan tagline. Do you know what I'm going to say? You say it a lot. You used to say it a lot. I think you. It might, I think you still live the idea. We already talked sort of about what it is. Getting organized. Yeah. Yeah, I still organized. say it all the time. Yeah. What do you mean by that? It's actually a pretty funny story why I started saying it. I remember you saying it when we played. Yeah, I've been saying it for almost 20 years. Yeah. So two things happened. Like back when I was in grad school. So I was in, going to grad school at Tufts. I was coaching lacrosse. They paid for me to go to grad school. It was an awesome scenario. And over the summers, I would, you know, do – recruiting for Tufts and do like the office work and stuff but that only took coach only needed me up there essentially two days a week and then some of the camps I would go to so then the other days I would go back down to the Cape and I would bartend the other five days and then so I was going back and forth both those summers it was a busy summer but I mean it was it was cool uh, I was working a lot but it was it was fine and one of the summers I think it was that first summer my dad's college roommate was visiting from New York. My dad went to Cornell, so that's where his, you know, his roommate went. His name is his last name is Igor. His first name is Greg. So Igor, he's a character. And I would be working at night, so I wouldn't get home till later. So I'd sleep in. So I'd get up around ten or you know ten or so, walk downstairs, and Igor would you know kind of be flustered, kind of getting up around that same time, and he'd be like, 
Jesse, take me down to Dunkin' Donuts and get me a coffee. And I was like, no problem, because I could drive his car. And he had this, like, really nice, like, Mercedes like, <laughs> convertible, which was, you know, I've never bought a new car. So driving those types of cars is pretty fun for me. Mm-hmm. So I would drive him down there. He's like, I got to get organized. I got to get a coffee. So he was saying that. He's like, always, he's like, I got to get organized. I got to get a coffee. <laughs> so right, on, right around that same time, I to this day I still listen to him all the time. Is uh, Chris Russo on Sirius XM Radio? He's got the Mad Dog Channel. He used to be on WFAN six sixty in New York with Mike Francesca. They both had a radio program for close to nineteen years, and I could get that on Cape Cod because it would come right across the water. So I would listen to them. My dad was listening to them, and then I would like listen to them by default, and then became like a true fan of you know both that program and then when. Mad Dog went off on his own and started listening to the Sears channel. But anyway, Mad Dog was telling the story about how he was taking his kids to Fenway Park to go see a game. And he's like, yeah, so they live in New- he lives in Connecticut. So he's like, yeah, we, we got up there. We drove up there. We, we parked, had the tickets, got everything organized. Everything was organized. And I was like, <laughs> so it was those two things that happened like simultaneously, which seemed it might have been like a month apart, but it seemed like right around the same time. And I was like, that is a great line. I'm going to start saying that. So then I just start saying it all the time. You know, just been saying it nonstop. It's funny. It's funny. It's, it's true though. I mean, you got to be organized. So like would, I say, he would wake up. This is your dad's college roommate, correct? Uh-huh. And you're up there in the summer, um, on the Cape, uh, great place to be in the summer. I would imagine. Yeah. And he would, he would stay with at the house. He was just visiting for like a couple of days. It happened to be then. And then, so those, those two things that happened, was like, is it him waking up sort of like hungover? Yeah, pretty much. He would drink a lot. <laughs> so he's a little bit, a little bit. He's a cool fl- guy, very smart guy. But he's, a, he's, you know. He, he likes like, to bend the elbow. He likes to party. Yeah. So he's like, all right, this is basically his his way of plugging back in. Yeah. yeah Be get driving him. over to get coffee. Gotta get over here. Gotta get me some coffee. Gotta, yeah. get my, gotta get my ducks back in a row. Exactly. For the day. Exactly. <laughs> and now you, so when, when you say it now, what do you mean by it? It means everything from, from what I say, it has a lot of different variations. Cause I've been saying for so long. I mean, yeah. you know, even I, you know, the teams that I've coached are like now Gonzaga, like we, we say it there a lot. Getting organized is just doing the things you need to do to, you know, be successful, succeed, play better, that type of thing. And then, but it can also mean like if I'm with my buddies, you know, we got to get organized. Like we got to, go hang out or something or uh-huh. go get a drink or whatever. So it has like a lot of variations of like what I mean based on tone, just cause I've been saying it for so long. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, it's basically like, uh, let's, let's, let's get to business. Let's do something that <clears throat> that's important. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> like getting organized on the cross. It's important. Hanging out with your buddy. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> what, do, what would you do? That would be disorganized. When, when would you be disorganized or something like that? In life? Yeah. What would be the opposite of that? What, <clears throat> oftentimes you'd say it, I would think. Being, disor- being disorganized to me would be like doing something that's like not sticking to the fundamentals, like which would be can it be applied to anything, whether you're playing sports, whether you're like interacting with people socially, whether you're mm-hmm. working. So it it's usually comes down to like basic stuff. Like if you're not orga- – like the, fi- the times I find myself when I'm not organized, if I – don't have enough sleep, haven't worked out, maybe like, you know, do something like drinking wise that isn't 
you know, the right way to handle myself, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, some things that are out of character. Yeah. <clears throat> that would be like you're, examples of you're being straying from, it's yeah. kind, of, kind of like staying toward, toward the middle of who you are, stay in your lane, that sort of stuff. When yeah. You start straying. When you start coloring outside the lines. Yeah. Which back. to be quite honest is like, you got to like keep an eye on that, like constantly because it's like really important. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and it can sway easily too. Yes, yes, yes. Basically, <clears throat> listening to uh, kind of like the voice inside as to like who you are and, and, and what you do and what you like to do. But sometimes, you know, just making sure you don't do whatever it is too far. Yeah. And like, you know, kind of getting back to that engineering thing about myself, you know, one of the most influential books I read in my 20s was one of my coworkers at the EPA told me about it was the autobiography of Ben Franklin. And then that he had this like tracking system for these like metrics that he like gauged his life upon. And I was like, that seems like it makes some sense. So then I started applying that to my life where I have this like chart. So basically it's these metrics that you can, you know, basic metrics, kind of what I just talked about. Like, did I read, did I get enough sleep? Did I eat healthy? Like shit like that. But if, those metrics get skewed in a negative way, then that's like an example of being disorganized. So keeping yourself, keep, keep holding yourself accountable. Yeah. By so when you say metrics, is the, I think I, I remember you talking about this book, and maybe how you applied it, how you apply it to your life. Did you, did you make? Would you actually make a chart? Yeah. For every day, I think I remember you showing me it. You still yeah, do that? Yeah, I've, I've been doing this chart for a long time. You still do it? Yeah. Oh, every day. Um, or do you do oh, a weekly like, chart? It's a weekly thing with daily tracking, and then I look at the week, and then summarize the month, and then summarize the years. Cal Newport talks about the same stuff. He talks about metric tracking all the time, and he's like my favorite author. That guy's my hero. Yeah. You got the book on the desk right now. Yeah, I wanted to show it to you. It's his new book. It just came out last week. I actually I already read it. It's a world without email. It's great. It's um, He's got, this, he's got a, a podcast, too, called Deep Questions, which mm-hmm. he started during the pandemic back in May, and He's already had, you know, close to 80 episodes, but I listen to that religiously. It's great. He's a, he's a professor at Georgetown, right? He's a computer science professor at Georgetown, and then he's also, like, a best-selling author. The guy is, like, really impressive. He wrote his first book when he was 21. He went to Dartmouth, and he got his doctorate at MIT. He's written eight books now, and mm-hmm. he's only he's our age. He's 38. He's mm-hmm. got three kids. Um, he's cool. He's the man. <laughs> I don't know him, but like I listen to his stuff and like what he says, like really resonates. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when you talked about him when we were over at Georgetown, Old Georgetown Grill. Um, I listened to a couple of his Deep Thoughts podcast. Yeah, Is that right? Deep Thoughts, Deep Questions, Deep Questions. Um, it's funny, and, man. Like you'll appreciate this, Billy. Like getting back to the Mad Dog Russo radio thing. You know, when you listen to these uh, sports talk radio, a lot of these guys have consistent callers who like ask questions and they become like part of the program to be quite honest like mad dog has like a 20 of them that i recognize like you know mm-hmm. uh when they call in i don't listen to his show i listen to a lot of the, his show on demand through the serious app which is like one of the benefits of it so i can mm-hmm. just like listen to the interviews and stuff i want to listen to but if i'm listening at times where it's live and it's a caller segment a lot of the times I'll recognize some of the guys cause he like has the same guys on more often than not. Cause he like wants the guys on that, like ask good questions and they provide good dialogue, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was thinking about it. Like K 
Cal has a podcast that comes out Mondays and Thursdays. And on Thursdays, you can submit these like audio questions. So I was like, why don't I just start submitting a bunch of audio questions? Like I'm like one of the callers on Mad Dog Radio. So like he'll get to like become one of those guys. He'll become the know me. So I've actually already had two questions on his podcast. It's really cool. But you you submit it. Uh, So he said Thursday he reads the questions. He, well, I mean, he's got like a library of the questions. So like every now and then I'll be listening to an episode and I'm like, the next question will be from me. And I'll be like, oh yeah, it happened once when I was in Mexico, like running the beach, visiting my parents. And then another time it happened when I was in Florida recently, like doing something down there. I was like, you know, most of the time I was like jogging and I was like listening to this podcast. And I was like, oh, it's, a great, it's a great idea. You know, it's actually pretty easy to do. You can do the same thing with your podcast. You can like set it up where people can like submit questions to you and then you just, you know, whatever. Yeah. How would they do it over an email? It's pretty easy. I can show you how to do it when we're offline. Cool, cool, cool. I I don't know how to do it, but it's not that difficult. I'll be able to help. Um, So, I I love the I love the idea. Keep. I mean, I asked you. I asked, do you know the guy at all? Because he's on my list. Someone I'd like to um, those sit sit across from if if he if he would have a conversation. Those types of people. What I realize is, um, you know, one of the books he wrote is Deep Work, and he's they produce so much stuff and do so much stuff that they like are very, very hesitant of engaging with stuff that's going to distract them. So like, will I ever meet him? I don't know. I, I don't know. Do I care? I mean, yeah, it'd be great to meet him, but I don't really care if I meet him or not. You yeah. know, I'm still going to listen to the stuff and ask him a bunch of questions and read his books and read his articles and all that stuff. So yeah, I did. Um, I sent him a Millie's gift certificate though, because he lives in the area. Huh. So I mean, he's got a family, and Millie's is like a great place for families and him. good food. So him. maybe if he does go and That's use a gift works. certificate, then I'll see him there. But <laughs> how, how, how did you send him the Millie thing? He's got so the way that he does it, it talks about it in this book with a world without email. Because the way that you can um, send him stuff is he's got his email address is interesting at calnewport.com, but. And in it, it, he he flat out, he goes, don't expect a response. Like, you know, I, I'll, I'll look at this stuff and whatever, which is the best way to do it. I mean, he explains it more in like the end of his most recent book of why he does it that way. Um, so I sent it to that. Uh, so I'm sure I'll come across it at some why point. Why does he do it that way? To, because otherwise you get overloaded with um, requests and stuff and you get distracted i mean you don't want to give anyone the false hopes like saying hey if you write to me i i'm gonna guarantee a response you know yeah i think he used I, maybe i will maybe you know he, don't, he don't used for disappointment i think he probably used to do that actually in the book he said he used to do that you know 10 years ago when he was much i mean sure. he's yeah. much more well known now yeah i mean with my lacrosse site i if people email me i email them back hopefully down the road i'm much bigger and can't do that but whatever yeah yeah, yeah. probably like one of those concepts yeah you know um, but I like the idea of, yeah, keep writing them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to ask them questions constantly. Like, yeah. Persistence breaks down resistance. I, I'm, I'm just doing I know it. It's I, not, I know it's not one of your like life goals to like meet the guy. Maybe it is. But like you're going to have a fine life. You're going to be happy whether you meet him or not. Yeah. My point of for asking the question is I actually like, have all these questions. So like I'm just going to keep on asking these questions. Exactly right. And then, it's not like you're making stuff up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, so, uh, it's, um, but I did. I Two did. Birds. I was thinking about. It. I was like, oh, there's because originally I was like, oh, I'm not going to ask any questions because I didn't really see the need. But then one of the podcasts, he was like, I'm running out of questions. I need questions. So I was like, oh, I'm going to send those questions. And I did it the first time, you know, broke through that, you know, whatever um, that hurdle of like figuring out how to do it. It's not very hard to figure out how to do. And then once I did it the first time, I was like, 
I can start asking him a lot more questions regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so then I started asking him a lot of questions. So I asked him one question a week. <laughs> I think that's a good rate right now. Yeah. You can put you know, when the time's right, okay? The most, you're, on, you're on first base. The question I asked him recently, because, like, you know, these guys all have ads, and he has a – he um, one of the ads that he gives on his spots is for Grammarly. Mm-hmm. Do you use Grammarly? Mm-mm. And I was – he like, says a lot of good things in the ad that, like, make it look – make sense that Grammarly, you know, you should use Grammarly because, I mean, I – I have a blog as well. And I write a lot of articles. So I was right. like, I asked him recently if he used Grammarly. And because I bet you he probably does, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. He probably has a free account. Right. <laughs> that would, yeah. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, eight with eight books. So mm. um, I like, I take pride in my, my grammar, I guess, going through like a Catholic grade school. And they, they used to drill the grammar. They still do at modern day. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of one of those things. It's like once you start, once you start relying on something, then your ability to understand grammar will atrophy, probably. Does yeah, that, does that make sense? That's it's why like, I asked. I, I've never used Grammarly. I think I might try it, and I can report back to you about it. Just I got to see how much it costs. It's like, um, it's like Waze is a great invention, but there is something to be said for whipping out the roadmap from behind, like the passenger seat, and like trying to look yeah at, look at the roads. And ever since like. I mean, yesterday I was just driving from, where was I driving from? Uh, downtown, like Bethesda. Yeah. Trying to get to Costco and Wheaton. And uh, I was like, I'm not using the navigation. I kind of got, I got an idea. I got an idea. So I went uh, down all, all the way to prep, took beach, took beach all the way to the bottom. Is it, it's, is it beach that goes? No, it's a strap. What's the road that goes right into prep? The straight road. It might be beach. I don't think it's beach. I think it uh, starts with a T. Tucker, no, Tuckerman? Tuckerman's another. Anyway, whatever road that is. Took it right up at that prep road, all the way to the bottom of the hill. Took beach. Took a left on beach. And it was like in the park. And just like, I think I'm just, I figured it out. Yeah. It was, it was very satisfying. Yeah. And I thought to myself, this is what people had to know how to get places without just punching in the address. Yeah, no, that's good. I might still try Grammarly and I'll, um, but I, you made a good comment about how, you know, it could atrophy, but I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if you're not, I'm, I th- I'm thankful that I was raised, um, with old school. Grammar. My dad's like a grammar, like commas, punctuation. My dad's like big into grammar. Like yeah. every time I write an article, he's always like, he's on me stuff. Um, that just, which I mean, is fine. Like everything he says, it makes sense. And I, I, um, you know, I make the edits. The, the, the counter would be, it's one less thing to worry about. No. I think I think Grammarly does a couple things um, in addition just to the basic stuff. I think it gives you – I think it has some other things that it might provide. I have to check it out, and I'll report back to you. Please so, do. Please do. Because I, you know, I write a lot, so I put out an article a week, and then so I'll be able to test it out and see how it goes, and I'll let you know. Uh, talk about BTB lacrosse, right? BTB lax, baby. Yeah, that's what it's called, BTB lax baby, comma baby. <laughs> Wait, what B- Maybe I should change the name. BTB stands for behind the back. Uh, be the best. Behind the back. Could be behind the back. Double entendre. I always encourage our guys to throw behind the back passes. Good. Yeah. Why? Just why not? Being it's a cool. being an assistant and coach. A lot, and a lot of times it's like it's very you know powerful. Like you can pull it off. Yeah. You know, shooting behind the back. It's awesome. You know. I no. I, we I, actually in our mechanics progression you know segments we drill it yeah yeah uh, and, yeah. K- and K- coach o'neill is like 
totally down with it, and like, which I think is awesome. Good, Stre- like to stretch the lacrosse like the repertoire. Yeah, the, you got, you should, there's you no reason that. not to. Use I totally that. agree. There's so many times it's useful. It's like people. Are, I mean, it's, I I find it. People should be practicing that and using it constantly. I agree. I agree, and uh, there is like, it's it's unexpected. You know, if you if you pass behind the back, there's certain times it's called for. Other times, it, you just do it. Yeah, and hopefully you complete it. Um, but there's like a, there's an ooh and ah factor that can be like it's kind of like maybe related to like a big hit or something. There's yeah. a, there's an intangible sort of uh, weight that it carries, and if you get a behind the back goal, it's it only uh, a goal's a goal it counts for one point, but there's a uh, there's something that comes with it. I I agree. The sideline goes nuts. The morale is just like, and a lot high. of times it's the only pass you can throw. Hundred percent. The way that you know. Hundred percent. Especially, so. In, yeah, yeah. So BTB uh, lacks. Be your, be the best, right? Yeah. Um, you've had this thing for a while now, haven't you? Started in two thousand twelve. Unreal. I remember we were talking about this thing, like getting over at prep, using their turf and stuff, and that was probably was that was Scotty was it? When did Scotty start? No, after that, right? Scott, yeah, he's been the head coach there. I think this is his fourth year. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so you've been, in, you've been at it for eight years. You put out three things a week, right? I haven't always put out three things a week, but I recently, um, this year, just based on, you know, actually based on Cal's podcast, doing deep work, automating stuff just seems more it make more sense for me to you know you want to be engaged with your list eventually right. like you'll probably want to get an email list and yeah. start emailing them and and the, and the goal is you want to be able to write the way that you can talk you know right so people read your stuff which is not easy to do and i'm slowly getting there my writing's getting better but it's you know it's funny man like the whole reason why i started this was kind of by chance I was looking for something to do on the side I do this on the side you know it's like I have you know my full-time job during the day but I have some really good friends who absolutely kill it on the internet and they have like you know a massive company and my buddy Josh told me like right away like back in 2012 is like you need to learn how to do all this stuff yourself you need to be able to work really fast you need to be able to write like you talk and like these guys are you know the best of the best, like what the, the checklist of he, of stuff that he told me to do was, you know, not easy, but those guys are massive for a reason. Like that's the way that they think they just like make stuff happen. And so over the years, like everything's slowly getting better. I would have thought I would have been, you know, I would have thought I would have made more money off it by this point, but it is what it is. It's fine. I still really like it. I like the site. I can do what I want with it, and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on going, and I have fun doing it. So that's kind of what I, my mentality. Great, great. It's been eight years, and you, you send three things out a week, and like, it's. Uh, yeah, I know a lot I, about yeah. it now. Like I, the one thing I can say is I know how to do every aspect of an internet mar- or my internet marketing business. So like down the road, when you do more stuff, I can I can talk to you about all sorts of stuff like. Emails, video courses, YouTube channels, stuff like that. I love it. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's like you want you want fruit, like like real fruit, like fruit you can spend fruit from what you're doing. 
but you're enjoying it and you're learning a new you learn you've learned a new craft well it's funny man i mean because we know each other really well like for the first for the first couple of years i was like literally under the mindset like what am i going to do how am i going to behave when i get rich and my dad was like, why don't you get rich first and then stop, <laughs> and then stop, stop worrying about how you're going to behave before you get rich. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then, so then there were so many moments where like you trying to figure something out, like technically, you know, or building like the website or doing whatever it is where I just like literally dive into my couch with my head in the pillow and just be like, and just stay there for like 10 minutes. Cause, cause I couldn't figure it out. So that happened for years. And then then I kind of changed my mentality after like five years of this because I was still working on it, still producing stuff. But and then after like the five-year mark, I was like, I got to change my mentality on this. So then my mentality was I'm just going to get after it every day physically and then still work on that. And then whatever happens, happens. So I kind of like, you know, always would, you know, work out and do stuff. But then I just – made that my number one priority and still work on, on my stuff for sure. But, you know, just get after it physically and then whatever happens, happens with the other stuff, still work on it. And, but just be more patient with it, I guess. Um, Let it come to you a little more. Yeah. Like be your best self physically. If you be your best self physically. You're probably going to be pretty daggone good mentally. Um, when I run, I have some of my best ideas. Um, yeah, 100%. And I, I mean, I don't listen to anything. I mean, I'm not, whatever you want to do. I just listen to the birds and whatever, yeah. whatever comes to me, whatever hits. Yeah. Anyway. Actually, Cal Newport talks about it all the time, like embracing solitude, having time, scheduling time to think. Like, exactly. It's very important. The uh, So when you buried your head in your pillow on the early stages, like probably halfway through your venture, right? 2012, 2015, something like that. You're like... Uh, what were you frustrated with? Everything from like, there's so many technical aspects of like building stuff, like whether it's like trying to like get an image to look the right way, whether it's trying to like upload certain stuff to like, like through like, you know, to your site, whether it's like trying to get certain links approved on YouTube so you can have links that go the right way. So like when you're making comments, when you tell people to click there, that it actually works, whether it's, you know, sending emails that look good, whether it's getting people like running traffic, buying ads and having people actually buy it. So you don't go bankrupt, like all that type of stuff. Right. Like all that type of stuff was just, you know, and I haven't figured it all out yet. Right. Uh, but There's, is there closer, I guess, maybe, I don't know. You, I would probably think you are. Um, is there a template to follow for this? You know, yeah, or is, it, or is it something that you just kind of have to like figure it out on your own, like you did? No, I mean, there's so many courses you can buy out there for like all that stuff. They try to, you know, whatever. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, you look at some of these like big time, you look at some of these websites that absolutely crush it on the internet. You like, you'd be like, oh yeah, that site makes you know a hundred thousand dollars a day or whatever, and you look at the site, be like, what? Mm-hmm. There's so much to it in the back end that it's like whether there's like such good writers that like copywriting is huge. Copywriting is like massive. Like some of the most, the reason why sites get so big is because like the writing is so, so point on. Like when you read it, it's just like convincing. Like they have to do what they're saying. It's Mm -hmm. so it's that aspect and persuasive writing. It's like so huge. You have to like, especially on the internet, 
which is a little bit different than like reading stuff in a book. It's you basically want to you basically want to when you're reading stuff on the internet, whether it's an email or even like copy for like an ad that you see in like YouTube and stuff. Like it's just very persuasive to the point. It's got it hits the key things that need to hit. It's just proven time and time again with sales, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's interesting. And over the line, I've I've learned a lot. So I mean, is the is it the whole idea of write like you talk? Is that how you need to? Yeah, that's that's basically the that's basically how it is. You need to be able to write as clearly as you can speak. So like when you're when you're reading it, it's like somebody's talking to you, and it's not. You want to yeah. So when you're reading like a really well crafted stuff on the internet it's like somebody's like talking to you and it's like seamless you read it no problem right because you can see in some of those golf letters like there's really big in golf like you know sometimes you'll like come across this thing and he's like talking about all the problems that you have with like certain swing thoughts and whatever and then you're like reading this and like oh surprise we have this like thing that's gonna solve all your things like oh my god i gotta buy this you know it's like like some of those golf writers are like some of the best copywriters in the world what do you, what do you mean copywriter copywriter is like the term for it like uh. like that's the term. It's like ad writers, you know, like uh, Mad Men. Yes. Like that a copywriter would be an ad writer. Uh, a component of it, but it's also could be like a long, a long, long, um, long form sales letter. It could yeah. be a video sales letter, the mm-hmm. script. It could be like an ad. Like it, the copywriter is like the genre of the whole element of you know advertising in a way. Yeah. Has it got anything to do with copywriting? And it has all to do with copywriting. So that's that's what it is. Or yeah, to, co- to copyright something is to, to basically patent it. No, copywriting or to stamp it as your copy, own. Copywriting is like the the art of writing. I understand. On, yeah, so that's kind of. So if you say something's copyrighted, you can't, oh, that's you can't copy it. That's that's different. <laughs> that's that, what I was getting. At. Yeah, that's yeah. different. They're okay. not they're not associated. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder how. Okay. Um, yeah, it's weird they have the same name, but yeah, yeah it's different. It's two different concepts. Interesting. Um, So you were frustrated, um, and rightfully so. I, I've I've done some stuff with writing, and, and I've uh, dude. It I, takes a while. I have a little modest blog about movies and stuff like that. Yeah, I read it. Called Move Dot Me. Why movies move me? Um, yeah, thank you for reading and, and yeah. giving your feedback. Yeah, I'll um, keep on doing that. Thank you, buddy. Um, I'll keep on reading yours. <laughs> um, so I was listening. To Kevin Hart on he's Ro- the, on he's Rogan. The, he's the man. Have you listened to him on Rogan like I've, six months ago? I listened to him on... I'm not sure, but maybe. He's he's, he's I've interested. listened to his long form. He's intense. He's intense. It's All those guys are intense. Like, you don't get to that point if you're not I know you got. I know. It's like a duck, though. You want to have your head above water, and it looks fucking... You look you look calm, even keel, steely-eyed. Yeah. But underneath the surface, you want those those feet moving as fast as possible. Those guys are, you know... I know I know. everyone's got to be intense in order to be at that level. I'm not saying it's necessary. I'm, like Elon Musk, he comes across... I know he's intense. Yeah. He doesn't come across like it. All those... What I find is, because even those internet guys that I talked about, those guys, I mean... You know, to get to that level, there's like an intensity to everything that they do, which is a blessing and a curse, to be quite honest with you. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, you know, hanging out, having the, like, after this, we're going to have a stogie in the backyard. Like, can they do that? I don't know. They might be able to do it for like five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it just depends. Yeah, but, I hear um, But what I was saying about Kevin Hart, who is cool, you know, he broke his back. Oh, he did? You hear that? No. He broke his back like a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. 
How do you do that? I'm not quite sure, but he was talking about it on this podcast uh, with Rogan. And um, anyway, what was it? He's like, yeah, his road back. <clears throat> it's all, yeah, the surgeries and everything. And he's like, he, I guess, uh, has always been pretty fit mm-hmm. uh, before the, the accident, the injury. And the doctor's like, good thing you're fit. Because, like, you know, if you didn't have the insulation of the muscle around the bone, it could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So he's he is he's fine now. He's working out all over again. He's like, I my goal is to be eight percent body fat by my birthday, July sixth. And Joe's like, Cool. Why? <laughs> you want to look good on the beach? What's the motivation there? He's like, I don't know. That's what I want to do. And then what are you gonna do after that? He's like, I don't know. But I know I want to get to that point. And I and and basically the I think the idea is what you're saying. Is like me going through the process of getting into discipline and the working out and watching your diet and everything. Whatever his next step and chapter is going to be, will come to him. Yeah, along along the way. Yeah, and that honestly, that's what should happen with everybody. You set some goal, and then once you hit it, you immediately set the next one because otherwise, the goal doesn't have to do doesn't have to have anything to do with what, um, what you what what you what comes from it. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Like he, it's the process of doing it. It's the it. process and what might come to you along the way mm-hmm. by living a healthy process and a disciplined process. Yeah. My uh, last guy I had in here, his name is Rob Clark. Mm-hmm. You should uh, check him out. He uh, he writes this blog called The Resilient Worker. He's been doing it for like six years. Um, he had a kid who went to modern day. I taught him there. He went to prep. Now he's at Villanova playing the cross. He's a goalie. Um, Justin Clark. You might know that name when he was at prep. He works at Millie's. He works at Millie's. I know. <laughs> yeah. he's, my, he's my co-worker. How about that? Yeah. He worked there last summer. Right? Yeah. 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 That kid's the man. He's great. He's a very, very nice kid. Yeah. He's like mature beyond his years. Yeah. No, I love that kid. Seems. Yeah. He's a hard worker. He's great. Good. Good, good, good. His dad, Rob, is a great, great dude. He's a diehard prep guy. Um, and uh, he started this blog six years ago, right? He's like, he was talking about how, I talked about this, about a little bit about this in the last podcast. He's talking about how uh, things were negative at work. Like the, the work culture was not great. He said, what, what, what am I going to do? What can I do? I can control what I can control. I can control my attitude. I can control the thoughts I have. I can, contr- I, I can bring positivity in my little cubicle. Mm-hmm. Everything outside the cubicle, we'll get there later, mm-hmm. you know? And he started writing, and he's like, he made a promise with himself and with his spouse and with his kids and with some with his parents, and he told some people for accountability, which I think is cool and important. You write it down, and you, you, you tell someone, and it's an even stronger bond or, or promise <laughs> that he's going to write a blog once a week for a whole year, 52 mm-hmm. entries. And he didn't really know what was going to happen, but he knew he wanted to do that. He's going to, that's what he was doing. Yeah. You know? So he started doing it, started doing it, started doing it. And then he developed this idea of resilience. Uh, he had the idea of resilience in the beginning, but he, he started to, his idea started, started to coalesce and crystallize. Yeah. Um, because he was disciplined about that approach. Um, and yeah. his, his real, his direction was kind of like this, a sprinkler. But then over the course of that first year, it kind of like honed down into like a beam mm-hmm. um, as to how we would proceed. 
Um, but it wouldn't have been without, I don't think, and I don't think he thinks either, without uh, the, sort of the promise in the I'm all in for a year um, in order to let the process tell him what to do. Yeah. A lot of times he's got to do the work and then go with the flow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it's almost like uh, get out of your own way. Do the work. Get out of your own way. Listen to what well, comes to you. What happens is a lot of times with people is they get all caught up in the things that could go wrong and they hesitate from doing the work. You just immediately have to start doing the work and then you figure it out as you go along. You know? That's yeah. what you, That's like what, you know... And then most of the podcasts that I listen to, they all they all talk about writing, and writing is one of the most difficult things around, really. And yeah. you talk to authors, you talk to you know all those types of folks, and basically, it just it's re- relatively simple. You like sit in chair and write, non distracted, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and if you can do that consistently, then eventually you're gonna produce you know, some valuable stuff. Yeah. So I'm sure that's probably what happened with him. Cause he knew he had that commitment of 52 weeks and, you know, week 17 sat in the chair, kept on writing week 30 sat in the chair, kept on writing. And then now it's been six years. So it's been successful for him. I'll check out his blog. You should. Um, he, uh, it's funny thing I've heard with writing. It's like, it's like the idea of like son of a woman. There's a line. Uh, in life, when you get, have you seen the movie? Yeah, Al Pacino. A while so, ago. So good. Yeah. Uh, when you get tangled up, tango on. Like it's like a, they're like doing the tango, mm-hmm. and he's like, it's funny how life is. If you get tangled up, tango on. Sometimes writers say about a writer's a writer when they have a writer block, the best thing they can do is just keep writing. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna bring up writer's block because Cal Newport's response to writer's block would be sit in the chair and write. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter like, if it, it's, it's your it's, job. Doesn't matter if it's bad. It's your job. Like sit in the chair and write. It's your job. Don't be distracted. Sit in the chair for ninety minutes. Whatever you can do and write. Right. Put your phone in the other room. Put your phone in your car if you need to. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be said for having a like a typewriter or an old school like a word processor. You know, because um, I on my computer I have my like text linked to it. I would. Yeah. That, you know. I would. It, uh, I, 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 you just go right on uh, Google Chrome or like check email or whatever it might be. That's um, that's the thing he talks about, like attention residue, and like he talks about it all the time and like deep work and stuff. So you like you need to get to the point where you train yourself where you you're not doing that. What's attention residue? Attention residue is when you switch, you switch your attention to two different things. So like say mm-hmm. that you're writing. And you want to, and then like five minutes in, oh, you want to check something in your email. It takes your mind. It's what the whole book, this is what this whole book is about. World without email. Yeah. It takes your mind time to come back and refocus on what you're doing. So when you're constantly doing that back and forth, back and forth, you get this residue left over and it's debilitating. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely debilitating. But if you can train yourself to work focusedly for 60 minutes, like a work of an hour of focus work compared to like five hours of that split attention. Yeah. Going back and forth is, you know, you save so much time and you get so much more work done. So that's what it says in the book or tell me more about the book. Where without email, the book is, it's about how it's essentially about how the whole workforce, like 
he calls it the hyperactive hive mind and everybody in the knowledge work sector he calls like so knowledge work is basically like the sector of work where you know you're using your mind to like produce stuff whereas and he compares that it goes for a while and compares that to you know back in the day when like you know you had like actual physical labor of like you know building cars or stuff like that but then over the years like you know we've had this big knowledge work sector of you know like lawyers and um, advertisers and all the stuff that, like admins and all that type of stuff that people you know use their brain to produce work essentially to produce mm-hmm. like you know uh, value so in that though when email was introduced there's it I mean the book does a great job of explaining it all but he calls it like the hyperactive hive mind of where you're constantly going back and forth like responding to these emails like doing all this stuff where in reality you're never really doing any work and like the way that like the society has evolved is like that's the way that people perceive work happening and it's not the right way to go about it hive like beehive yeah that's what he he terms all these terms he's great at like having these like terms terming um which you need to do because like you want to always you'll start to realize this too when you write more you want to have these like really catchy Catchy sayings so that people know what you're saying you know um and they know that because people like want something simple that they can understand they, they yearn for it they yeah. yearn for like something catches. simple that they can understand yeah you know? so and, and it can creep in the nomenclature yeah you know people start i mean where i'm talking to right you right now people listen to this podcast and be like hyperactive hive mind yeah hopefully because, they should yeah. read the book i mean yeah but yeah that's kind of you know what it talks about but just gets back to you know the bigger picture of you know writing stuff, producing content, and doing it in a non-distracted state of mind. It's like chasing, like what is the line about chasing cats? Explain more. I was hoping you could help with that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you're chasing like like two different cats, like you're gonna lose both. It's like it's like you're dating a girl. If you're dating like too many girls, you got too many yeah, too yeah, many irons yeah, in the fire. I see what you're saying. You know, they're all they'll all fizzle out. You but, know. And I actually take it a little bit a step further because I think you can, um, you know, because Cal's big into like time blocking and on the way that you should structure like your work days. And I think you can time block your training. So like whether you're like a high school kid or, you know, whether you're just an adult like working out or whether you're going on your, you said you alluded to earlier how you like you would go on your runs and, you know, you wouldn't have any headphones on, you wouldn't have your phone. You just, you know, kind of think and that's when you have your best thoughts. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's, I'm not surprised by that. Like, mm-hmm. that's what happens when like, you just, you know, kind of go out and like thinking about one thing. Like Cal talks about all the time, like when he, on his podcast, like when he wants to think about something deep, he goes on a walk and like thinks about that time and time again. He has like a term for it. It's like, I can't remember exactly right now, but and then when he sees his mind wandering, he'll bring it back to that problem. He's still walking like in the woods or somewhere nice, you know, somewhere he can think and then he keeps on doing that and he does that consistently and then over time he can like solve a lot of problems you know yeah uh, i wonder if it's like just the what you said time blocking um or is it also you combine that for in my in my circumstance with um cardiovascular he ge- talks about ge- all the time, gen- generation like working so when out, I, when, working I'm, out. when i'm running when i'm running um it, it increases blood flow I'm not listening to anything. I'm running. I'm looking around, letting any sort of thought hit me. 
And I think I think the activity of running and increased blood flow would it helps to facilitate thoughts. It stimulates your mind. 100%. Helps to lubricate. It stimulates your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. More blood flow anywhere. More oxygen. More oxygen. More thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. More growth. Yeah, that's part of the reason why like I made that pack with myself. You know, with my internet business, I was just going to get out of here physically every day, and then yeah. So you, so what is your sort of routine, your daily routine? You say you get after the internet business every day. I was saying I get after it physically every day. Oh, physically, okay, got it. Um. So you did, yeah. You did, yeah. So that the, that helped that helped you with the internet thing. Yeah, yeah. So what did it bring you to in a way? So what did it open your eyes to? To, to well, I mean, I was how, all, how did you untie the knots of, of frustration? I don't think I. Completely untied them. I don't want to sound like I'm some <laughs> guru Houdini, or anything, yeah. but I it just you know consistently doing work each day. Eventually, it really adds up. That's kind of my mentality. Has it really added up to me financially yet? Internet wise, no. But I'm having fun doing it and. I'm going to consistently do it and like my skills are getting better because I know I have the skills and like when I see things and I talk to people and I like look at other stuff and you got to keep in mind lacrosse is not an easy market on the internet because a lot of time the kids that you're trying to sell these programs to don't have a credit card. So -hmm. there's like friction because they have to go to their parents to get the credit card, which is Mm -hmm. friction. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to eliminate as much friction as possible. So like like eventually lost energy. Eventually, you know, if I, you know, figure it out in lacrosse, which lacrosse is my passion anyway. I love writing about it. And, like, what I've also, like, lately have been doing is just kind of writing about what I want to talk about, which is, if you read my blog, I mean, it's not, like, the simplest stuff in the way, but it's what I want to talk about. So, I'm just, I don't care. The money, the business isn't making money anyway. You know, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's supporting itself, but I'm going to write about what I want to talk about. Hell, yeah. And that's what I'm going to do. Hell, yeah. And so I also, when you eventually get to my products, those are like really good. And like people like barely get any refunds. I mean, people like really like my yeah, stuff, but yeah. you know, you have quality. That's kind of where I'm at. You have a quality product. You like, you like producing it. You like, you like the content that you're, you're putting up there on your website. Yeah. You enjoy the process. It's kind of what we talked about offline too. Like if you listen to Rabel's podcast, I mean, he talks about a lot of stuff and he talks about like a lot of like, like a lot of stuff outside of lacrosse, which I think is cool. You know, I think that it's like really cool. And that's why I'm a big fan of his podcast and what he talks about. Do I know him? No. Like if I talk to him about that sort of stuff, before we get along, probably if he like talk to me, but I mean, I have no idea if I'll ever talk to him or not, but what he puts out is, is good stuff. And I regularly listen to his stuff. Like he talks about like high level stuff and like a wide variety of stuff. I honestly equate it to kind of what I talked about in my most recent email to my list is like playing multiple sports. I mean, kids should be playing multiple sports for a long time. Adults should be playing multiple sports. I mean, it really helps with like a lot. It gives you like a lot of people have always kind of said that, but now I'm like really seeing it. Like playing multiple sports is like so important, you know, cause you just get so much perspective and you can apply stuff to other stuff. That's like, it's really powerful, mm-hmm. you know? It's part yeah. of the reason why I like this boxing stuff so much lately. <laughs> yeah. 
I want to get you involved. I, 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 wouldn't I think you'd no. really like it. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the time is right for me to do that. I remember when I was in grad it's school. Such a good workout. When I was in grad school, I did it like one time. I did it like a boxing uh, training or a practice, you know. And uh, for some reason, like I was hesitant to like like throw uppercuts or like I, I didn't want to hit the person. I, I felt bad about it. Yeah. Now I don't. <laughs> I've, out, I've outgrown that sensitivity or hang up. I think that was also at the point where I didn't like to watch UFC because like some part of it would make me cringe. But now I'm, I don't. I don't s- crave it. But I've, I'm cool with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with sitting, seeing someone get struck in the face with a knee or whatever it might be. Yeah. Not cool. I, with it. I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent to it. You yeah. know, I, I would kind of cower. I um, I just do. Like right now, I just do classes on the bags, so it's mm-hmm. like I don't really want to get hit in the head either. But I just—it's such a good workout, and like it's such a good workout. And they like the instructors are, you know, it's it's funny. Like I always kind of wanted to, because everybody try talks about like jujitsu and stuff like that, and I've been hearing about this forever. And then during the pandemic, there's obviously been a lot of time. So then I happen to be at these random gyms. This one random gym in Cleveland when I was like out there seeing my buddy because he coaches football. Mm-hmm. And I went to this gym that was near, like, I stayed at this hotel near this gym that I thought was going to be cool. And I went to go check it out. This gym was, like, actually awesome. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. They had everything, but including, like, I would walk by, like, their, like, you know, jujitsu and boxing area. And I came back from that trip, kind of always in the back of my mind that I want to try it. So then I got to D.C., got back to D.C. and started doing some research and found a boxing gym, like, went to my first class, loved it, signed up. So I go to Urban Boxing now, which they have, um, they have a gym in Bethesda, D.C., Foggy Bottom, and um, the it's in Foggy Bottom in D.C. And then they mm-hmm. also have one in Arlington. And I go to a mall, and it's like it's, I just can't get over. It makes so much sense how those guys have like such good cores and like can move so loosely, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I've only been doing it for like four months, but I I'm, I love it. I go to, <laughs> I go to a, I go to a class. Like, like pretty much every day. It's almost like it takes you to the next level. I would think it's a next level shape. The other thing, honestly, you're dead right. And the other thing too is like when you're like in that zone, like you think about stuff. Like you're like, you could be like, it's kind of like what you were talking about when you were going to your jogs and like you get your best ideas. Like you could be like pounding the bag, doing whatever like routine, like whatever sequence they want you doing. And it's tough. And like you're sweating, but like you get in this like, you know, this level of thought that you're like thinking about stuff. It's like really cool. Mm. And I, I obviously now during the pandemic, it's kind of tough, but like they've offered multiple times to do something with our Gonzaga team, which I'm going to next year when life is normal, I'm going to tell coach like hundred percent. We need to mm-hmm. do this. Cause mm-hmm. like there's actually a Atlanta kid. His name is Zach. Who he's like a uh, senior there. He's one of their best attackmen. I'm not sure what his last name is, but he goes like mm-hmm. he goes, I've seen him in there at the 6am class and he loves it. Yeah. He's going to Dartmouth. And I was like, dude, you should actually do both. I go because I think Dartmouth has a boxing team. You should do both. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that going to college, being a boxer <laughs> and a lacrosse player? <laughs> How many un- guys could you say do that? Unusual, right? That'd be like taking uh, wrestling maybe to the next level. Yeah, but that'd be, be cool. That'd be really cool. Like It'd be tight. And he was like, you know, what, I should. What and, season is boxing? Winter? Probably. Yeah, that would make sense. I would think. Yeah. So, I don't know. No, it's uh, such a legit workout. It's I it's insane. So like this guy Crane, he runs the gym in DC. Um, he's a cool guy. I'm getting to know him. 
And he, he explained it to me with people who are trying to lose weight. He goes, a lot of times when you're running, you know, you're, you lose weight vertically. Like, so that, that's kind of why people start to get like stretch marks and stuff. Cause yeah. like weight just drops like, you know, with the gravitational huh. force. But when you're like boxing, you're like twisting and turning so much that like, it literally goes back to your spine. So like your skin stays tight. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not doing it justice to explain it. Cause I haven't really thought of thought it through but i wrote down what he said i was like dude i need to talk to you more about this because like what you're saying is like it makes perfect sense because i'm yeah. even i wasn't looking to lose weight when i was doing this but i was you know kind of what you said like gets you the next level of shape which it does and then the other thing too is like you feel like your core just gets so much tighter it's like it's kind of insane and that a natural way to do it, you know, it's instead yeah. of doing crunches and all these like different ab workouts, Russian twists, you, you still like blah, at the blah, end, blah, blah. we still do a ton of core, which is, I've never done that much core, but it's like, it's, it feels amazing. Yeah. You know, if I want you to start. I want you to start. All right. I think you got me. I'm going to, I can give you a free class. Twist my rubber arm. I think you'd love it. I think so too. Like I think you so get too. ridiculous shape. I know. And then, I'm ready to kind of get back into the, that sort of shape. I mean, I work out every day. I ran today. It's funny. I live in Arlington. I come to the Bethesda one the most because, like, they're my favorite instructors there. So, like, I we could – I mean, I go to the 6 a.m. class Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's so great. Like, go to 6 a.m. and then go to the uh, the diner and, like, pound down, like, a 10-egg omelet. And I'll have a coffee. Play, and play the hash brown. But, yeah, you, I would go with you. That would be a great routine, dude. Yeah. Once a week. You lo- I think you'd love it. I'll do it I'm gonna keep on asking you. <laughs> yeah, persistence you, breaks down you resistance. Can, you can start once a week, and then you'll want to go more. Interesting. Yeah. To taste the nectar. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. addicting, dude. It feels so good. You get so loose. It's it's so I can't even explain. I mean, it's it. a, I wrote it's a, a couple a nat- articles. It's a natural. It. I have some articles coming about it. Um, so it's a natural. Um, uh, exercise, exercise is natural. Where it's a very natural thing. I always sometimes think about biking. I'm like, come on, uh, we're not. I mean, it's, what's more natural would be running. What's more natural would be fighting. Which that's that's sort of like kind of like tied to to who, how we were born in a way. Um, anything. I love to run. Yeah, um, I know. I know you do. Yeah. And but the, yeah, the, the fighting and that sort of thing is just like a. It makes Believe sense. me, though, it makes sense to me. me. Like I, Sula is one of my coaches in Bethesda, and he's. Like, this guy's a professional fighter. He's a, he's a, he, I love the guy. He's so cool. He yeah. actually fought on the undercard when Tyson had his fight like six weeks ago or whatever. Yeah. He fought on the undercard in that fight. So he's like legit. He's, yeah. And then, uh, but he was saying, I was like, you know, I was telling him, well, like, you know, like I, I was ask I asked him a ton of questions too. I was like, you know, I got my, I told him my lifting schedule, like when I play tennis, when I stretch, when I do boxing, I'm like, what should I do be doing running? He's like, you need to go on at least one long 50 minute run a week. You have to, it's mandatory. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I was, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I like to run anyway, but really? I was like, do I still need to run if I'm playing tennis and doing these boxing classes? He's like, yes, once a week, 50 minutes. I'm like, okay. Well, what's the deal with 50? <laughs> Why one long run a week? He just said it. You need it for your. He just said you need it, and I was like, I trust this guy and see the way he rolls. And I was like, okay. So I've been doing that for like three months. Yeah. I, I like to run anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah. like, at times, like time can be a little tight. But I just have to figure out a way to get that fifty minute run in a week. Yeah. Tip, Which, your typical run would be what? Depends on where I am. Like if I'm in DC, I have a couple routes from like my place. If I'm in 
you know, from home visiting my parents before they sold their house. Like I had like a 25 minute loop that I could do, mm -hmm. um, where I grew up essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, it just depends. So like now it, it, it really depends on where I'm at. I understand. So my, my target right now is probably like a half hour, half hour run, yeah. which would be like three to four miles. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if it's like, I could keep going, you know? Uh, I also sort of worry about, I say I probably run five times a week outside. Part of me is like, I don't, I don't want my knees to sort of fail or my ankles to sort of like, kind of like, do you stretch a lot? Fight, fight back at me in 10, 15 years. I stretch. Okay. Not a lot, but I stretch. Do you have time? Better than most. Sure. I stretch a ton. I got Cause I've been doing this. I've been trying to dunk. That's right. You told me about this. So, <laughs> You wrote about that too in the, on your Yeah, I've been blogs. trying to dunk. So I've been doing this like dunking program for like over a year and there's so much stretching involved in that. And there's a way that we can talk more about it too. Like my knees have never felt better mm -hmm. and I'm like trying to dunk, which kind of seems like a oxymoron. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say oxymoron, but yeah. I, yeah, it's a paradox. I was going to say hyperbole or whatever, something that doesn't make sense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what a fancy sounding word. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, all right. Any last words? No, nah, man. I'm we, can happy keep to go, we can keep going. but I'm happy to do this again. It doesn't have to be, as Tim Ferriss would say, we could have a round two someday. But <laughs> you're the host. I'm not the host. <laughs> uh, what's Tim, Fer Tim Ferriss? He's got like another Remind massive me. podcast. Oh. Uh, I listen to, I've listened to, actually, he's the, his podcast is a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts, like a ton. Mm -hmm. And Tim Ferriss's podcast is what I've listened to every single episode. And he's had like 500 and he's, he's got a massive audience as well. It's not as big as Rogan, but it's, you know, he's big. What's his deal? What's his background? Uh, he wrote the four hour work week for our body, for our chef. Um, I remember this guy. He wrote tools of Titans. Yeah. He wrote, yeah. He's written a lot of books. Um, he's a smart dude. Yeah. I he's a great interviewer. He started this podcast, I don't know, like four years ago. And what's it called? Uh the Tim Ferriss Show. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. Can't forget that. All right, good. I'm gonna check it out. But anyway, we'll have it we'll have a part two like soon. Yeah. I'm you know I'm all I'm all for it, man. We'll, we'll, we'll box, we'll eat, we'll part two. Smoke a stogie. It. Yeah, let's do that now. <laughs> it's about stogie thirty. Um so BTB Lacrosse, if you want to check out what Jesse's doing, please go to the website is what? It's uh BTB lax.com and then I have a YouTube channel, just search BTB Lax. I love it. If you want to see him in action, go check out a Gonzaga Lacrosse game. If or it's, come to Millie's when I bartend. Go to Millie's. Talk about a man of many hats, Jesse Miller. Go to Millie's. Um he bartends or the dog bartended down there for a while. Yeah, the dark, the dark side. I think it's the dark side. Dark side. That's it. Now it should be opening on the first. Wonderful. Where is it? Uh, right near the ballpark. It's part of Due South oh. in Navy Yard. You also is, come is, down. Is the bullpen done? No, the bullpen's there. I'll okay, be cool. working there too. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Try to find Jeff. He's a moving target. Anyway, uh, opposed to the community. Thanks for listening. To next, this coming week, um, a good friend of mine tomorrow, Megan McNamara, will be on. And in the evening. A special guest because his name is Christy Hughes. He is a restaurateur in uh, in and around DC. So 
Thanks for listening. Um, be a pillar. Thank you.